As human beings, our greatest block to learning is success today. So that leaders who run successful enterprises today, they say, why should I change? I'm successful. And the clear answer to that is because the world is changing. So I urge any leader listening to this, I don't care how successful you are, if you don't keep learning, developing, growing, you will fall behind. And just because you haven't fallen behind today, that's because the world wasn't moving as rapidly as it is now. And so to be able to then literally change your behavior, that becomes risky. And so once you shift your thinking, this nonsensical idea that I'm in business so I can retire, once you shift that, then the imperative to keep learning and growing and not being stuck in my ways becomes apparent. Now sit back and relax while we take a deep dive and be inspired to take action on improving your business. Here's your host, Stephen Sandor. Charles Kovash has directly impacted the lives of many people around the globe as a celebrated international author and his best-selling books, public speaking engagements and live appearances, helping you harness passion, develop leadership skills and clarify strategic thinking. Charles is Australia's passion provocateur. Number five has a significance in Charles' life with five children five businesses, one of which is a very interesting industrial hemp business. Charles and I have a common heritage in that our parents are Hungarian, and we've had some lovely conversations about how that cultural knowledge has influenced who we are. It's an honor and a privilege to have you as a guest, Charles. Welcome to the Inspiring Business Podcast. Thank you, Stephen. Lovely to be here on, ironically, the 5th of May, being the fifth month of the year. <laughs> I missed that in the beginning with our pre-chat. Oh, there I, you go. I did, you I you didn't. didn't. <laughs> I was ready for it. Um, I mentioned our heritage, so maybe that's a good place to start. Um, can you give me, a, uh, the listener and I, an insight into your background and the influence that that's had on you and your achievements so far? With pleasure. I speak fluent Hungarian still because I'm the president of the Australia-Hungary Chamber of Commerce. And I've been in that position for over 20 years. Now, it's not some grandiose, huge organization, but my parents forced me to speak Hungarian when I was born here in Australia. And being the second of six children of refugees who left Hungary, not wanting to, as I'm sure your parents didn't want to, and then coming to Australia, it led, with our lack of resources, to embracing this one idea that if it's to be, it's up to me. I'm sure you've heard that comment, but I have I have been totally willing from the start to take responsibility, so much so that from the age of 10, when I wanted some money, my parents didn't have money, I went out from the age of 10 every morning, six mornings a week, because I didn't have Sunday newspapers, delivering newspapers, but up at five o'clock, delivered newspapers, came home, then got myself off to school, and Stephen, in, in my entire school life, my my mother made my breakfast, I reckon, twice for me in my entire life. So the first thing is willing to be responsible for my life. If I wanted, going out and getting it myself because my parents didn't have the resources to give it to me. 
And then thirdly, I think genetically, being Hungarian, because both my parents are Hungarian, is deeply understanding what freedom means to a human being. And that understanding of freedom has dictated my whole life, and that is why I'm Australasia's, Australia's passion provocateur. We could unpack what that means. But, but this commitment to freedom is a crucial element to our humanity and the Hungarian story of a thousand years since 896 AD when Hungary was founded. It has been, and the 1100-year celebration was in 1996, and I remember it well here in Australia, that fight for existence, for freedom, is, is I think, genetic in you and in me. So there you are. That's, that uh, gives you a nice entree into why I do what I do. And I might point out that you pronounced my name almost correctly for Hungarians of Kvesh, and yours is Sándor in Hungarian, but Sándor, in English, Sándor. Sándor, yeah, yeah. I'm, Co- I'm Kvesh. Kvesh, and ironically, get this, ironically, my name as a passion provocateur, Kvesh, with two S's in Hungarian, literally means follow me. So there you are, my name dictated by profession. Yeah, there's so many parallels in in what you're saying with, with my life. You know, I, my my mother was very ill from when I was about five years of age, so... Um, I think I trump you. Um, I was making my breakfast <laughs> from about five years of age. But it was, a, I think it was a different generation to where, you, you know, we, not everything was given to us. Not that this generation is given, you know, everything is given to them because they, they do have to work for what it is. But there's a, it's almost like there's a, there's an expectation that it's there for them that they don't, and I, I, I'm going to get a whole bunch of, um, you know, uh, comments a, a, around this statement. But, you know, what's your thought on, on that? This, this, the, the generations of today, are they any different? Can we start with what your thoughts are around the generational differences and what you and I have grown up with and what you think this current generation is having to deal with? Yes, I would make two comments. And any comment about a human being or human beings are generalizations that never apply to the specific. So any listener who's offended by anything that I say, these generalities, um, if they don't apply to you, then they don't apply to you. Mm. I consider that the younger generation are significantly less resilient than I am, than you are, because our resilience is only built through tough times. You cannot become resilient by being soft. Protection of young people from all difficulties is a bad, bad, bad strategy. So that's the first observation I would make. And the second observation for relevant to business is that younger people need to be given a clear purpose, a clear meaning for work rather than just do it because I told you. And that's lay at the heart of a lot of my work, this understanding that it also applies to older people, but much more so to younger people. What's the point of what I'm doing? And then what happens 
when we as leaders can engage that, we can help them with the resilience, but purpose and meaning are crucial elements in driving behaviour. So they're the two observations I make. Yeah, so purpose and meaning, as you said, you know, it applies to everybody across all, you know, whether you're older or, or, or a younger employee. So do you, do you think that, that having a you know, purpose and meaning, having that, is that enough to, to enjoy going to work or to, to do the things that you, that you want to do? Yes, except purpose and meaning is like having a meal. So how many times a day do you eat? Twice. And, and so most people handling other human beings think, I have told you the purpose and the meaning. That should therefore sustain you for the next six months till we have our next team get together. No. It has to guide, if you want to be successful, if you want super, if you want above average success and, and above average because most companies don't do this because they go, we've told you what the purpose and meaning is. You don't need to have it re- repeated. Yes, you do, just like you need food repeated. Mm-hmm. And let me give you a, a, a simpler example, and that is in the NRL and the AFL, in any football team, how often are the coaches doing this repetition work? And I guarantee I would walk in 100 businesses, 95 of them I would interview every staff member, they would not know the purpose and the meaning of the business. Just making the announcement... That's what it is. Is nowhere near enough. Yeah, I, I, I'm often surprised how um, how little communication, um, daily communication, there are in small businesses. You know, I started off in in my working life as an electrician, and um, and we used to have a toolbox meeting, right? And the toolbox meeting was basically you got together with the leading hand and the foreman. Um, and as an apprentice, you know, you went to the workshop to get a left-handed screwdriver or a, or a long weight. Um, depending on how on how, on how cruel your uh, your bosses were, but that whole toolbox meeting was um, was there to communicate what you what you meant to be doing today, what the job was, what you know, what did you get done yesterday, and if you had challenges yesterday, what were they so that we could fix them, and then we off we went. You know, the whole thing took less than ten minutes, but it was every day. Um, so everybody knew, and then you know you'd come back, and then you might have a debrief, or you know the boss might turn up on site and and you know, ask how you're going, and do you need any more material or, or or whatever. But the the systems and processes were were built into to that. But with small businesses, I I, I just don't see it, and and I, I, I you know like you, I, I insist, almost no, not not almost, I insist that they have this daily huddle. Now they call it huddle or you know, just just branded a different different name. Yes, huddles huddles work well, and, and so the overriding principle that I drive with all of my clients, with all of the businesses that I've worked with and helped over the years in terms of passion, is that your purpose as a business is to improve life for people, to improve life for your customers. I don't know a business that doesn't improve the lives of its customers. So that's what that's its purpose and its meaning. And so a, a, a lawyer, I used to be a lawyer, practiced law as a tax lawyer for 20 years before I became a motivational speaker, before I became a passion provocateur. And lawyers, most people say the purpose of business is to make money. I say, I reject that model. 
money is the reward for fulfilling your purpose. So that's the model. Now, many places, when I first started saying this in 1993, Steve, there were not many people who understood this, but I understood this deeply because, because human beings, we are, our cellular structure is such that we care about human beings. That's why charities work. And so young people coming in, if we teach them to care about the customer, so we're literally, we're, we're fixing the electrics, not because we're going to fix the electrics, but because that's going to make life better for the customer. That changes the experience. So let's unpack that a little bit. I'd love the fact that you're talking about caring for people because I think, you know, the 80s was that greed is good. Um, you know, we had a movie about that and shareholders were, you know, um, were the primary uh, recipient of of the benefits of a business and then all of a sudden, um, you know, the staff are no longer uh, valued and, you know, we do it. Everybody has their mission statement on the wall. You know, we do it for the our our, our staff are our greatest asset and our customer, and then we you know we add value for the customer. Well, where is your staff on your balance sheet? Show me, um, because it's just not there. Mm. So you know, it's rubbish. So I think I think there's there's a there is a, a a change in the way that businesses are looking at this whole reward you know so if you if you create a a better experience for your client for your for your staff then the reward comes from that however there's a challenge for businesses because they're always looking at that bottom line so that's their measure how do you motivate or encourage business owners to shift their focus away from the bottom line to the bottom line of improving my asset value being my staff and and my value proposition being my customer which then in turn results as a manifests itself in in profit or additional in, um you know revenue how, how do you how do you bring that to the forefront for the business owner to start changing their focus profit for a business is like oxygen to a human being essential for survival but the purpose of you being alive and me being alive is not oxygen but we can't live without oxygen that's number one profit is not the purpose number two profit is solely a representation of value added profit is a representation of productivity because it's productivity that leads to adding value to people's lives. You can't add value to people's lives if you don't have enough energy to do so. And so when a leader starts to understand that the sustainable, high productive value add to customers, which generates profits, is a function of human beings, until we've got robots, is a function of human performance, then the leader wakes up and Steve, I'm quite, how shall I say, devastated by abject failure in making a big enough impact on the planet because over 80% of bosses simply do not understand this. And your job and mine, because you understand it and I understand it, is to educate leaders of teams that you will only generate great profits if you access 
people's productivity and passion is the way to do that. So that's the answer to your question. That productivity only comes from human beings and more productivity leads to more profit and therefore you have to start with the people. Is it a sort of frog in a pot syndrome? Because, I mean, we've just gone through COVID, right? I went and picked my car up from um, my mechanic yesterday, right? And I said, oh, how's, how's this affected you? He goes, it hasn't. We, we, you know, he, he's, his business, if anything, has, has increased, right? It's a definitely a two-speed economy. You know, there's the tourism and the hospitality industry that are really hurting hard. And then there's the digital economy where people are just going through the roof. It's almost like they're immune to failure, the established businesses. From my view, it's, 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 it's a false sense of security because they're looking, continually looking at their, their bottom line and that looks okay. But they when you, when you ask them about their staff turnover and the client satisfaction and all the rest of it, that's looking average or the, or the owner themselves, you know, the owner themselves is, is they're exhausted from the work that they're having to do because they've created something that it relies on on them and they don't want to give that control away so how do you shift because i think you're right it's the owner that is getting in the way of the business's growth and success and i know that you and i work in that space where the the business owner that has realized that they are the part of the problem not a part of the solution and they need to get help have you got a have you got a thought on that i have so As human beings, our greatest block to learning is success to date. So that leaders who run successful enterprises today, they say, why should I change? I'm successful. And the clear answer to that is because the world is changing. So I urge any leader listening to this, I don't care how successful you are, If you don't keep learning, developing, growing, you will fall behind. And just because you haven't fallen behind today, that's because the world wasn't moving as rapidly as it is now. And so to be able to then literally change your behavior, that becomes risky. And so so these leaders... Then subconsciously, I've got a set of beliefs. They go, I'm 55, I'll I'll last till I retire. Well, Steve, I'm 68. I've been in business now since I, for for 56 years, since I was a commission debt collector when I was 12 for the newsagent. And my thinking is that I've got my best 50 years of business coming up because I propose to be working till I'm at least 120. And so... Once you shift your thinking, this nonsensical idea that I'm in business so I can retire, once you shift that, then the imperative to keep learning and growing and not being stuck in my ways becomes apparent. Otherwise, you become irrelevant and become a victim of dementia because I'm absolutely convinced that dementia is closely related to poor health poor nutrition and particularly for poor for poor inspi- inspiration and this is called the inspiring business podcast inspiring ourselves so that our brains keep plugging and firing on all cylinders that's my 
model for what's possible for us as human beings. And if you slow down, you are taking a big risk. Yeah. And we, we talked about earlier, uh, you know, sort of coming full circle back to our Hungarian heritage and, and the fact that our parents were forced in fairly dramatic circumstances to leave the country of their heritage and, and come to, you know, a, a foreign land with nothing virtually and start, start afresh. And that was a pretty low point, I know, in my parents' lives, you know, psychologically and financially and emotionally. And They had to leave their parents, didn't they? Yeah. And, you know, there was brothers and sisters and all, you know, all of that that they left behind. And that steeled them, you know, to be like the resilience you talked about there to, to, to be able to do what they did. And, you know, in terms of success, I would say that my parents were successful. In that they brought up four beautiful children, you know, me and three other, uh, well, three other, three beautiful three, children. <laughs> <laughs> yes, same as I brought up four gorgeous uh, children. So my number's four, not five. And and I and that's what, I was trying to make that point earlier about the frog in the pot. You know, the success. It's almost like it's come to you, and this is the time when, whilst you're successful, this is the time where you where you look for opportunities to grow rather than waiting for the disaster to turn where you have to pivot. So this, this podcast is, is designed specifically to, in, you know, inspiring business. That's the name of my business. That's the name of the podcast to help business owners look for opportunity. But it's almost like we have to shake them out of their own selves to, to get it. So how do you, you know, what, what would be the advice that you would give to a business owner whose things are going really, really well, but they just in their, their intuition is telling them that there's something's not right. What should they be looking for inside their business for the canary in the, in the mine, if you like? Well, I would start with vision. So we've handled purpose. So my five key factors of any business are purpose, vision, goals, strategies, and values. And so. The question for the owner in those circumstances is what's inspiring you for the next 10 years? What's the vision that you have for the next 10 years and indeed 20 years? Because what's going to happen if you're just as fit and healthy in 20 years' time as you are now? Are you going to be satisfied with this? No. And I'll give you an example. The legal profession. As a corporate lawyer, as a tax lawyer, as a business lawyer, Many, many businesses with partnerships were successful while there was a common cause of fighting for success. The shit, which is a technical term, <laughs> the shit starts happening when their people are sitting around and have got time to focus on each other instead of focusing out there. So if you don't have a compelling vision for the next 10 years, 20 years, and indeed we're competing with Chinese whose vision horizon is 100 years mm. we are in trouble and mm. that's the question to ask and if and if a leader has lost that inspiration then your job and mine is to get them out of the way yeah let's hope <laughs> let's hope we're both successful in doing that charles thank you so much this i'm sure we'll do this again um i've enjoyed it um so much you're always generous with your time and your thoughts and you and I had a conversation a couple of weeks ago and you'll be pleased to know that exercise has become a daily routine of mine so 
for those of you who are not a well, you wouldn't be aware of this because you weren't in the conversation. But but um, Charles is what one of the things that Charles uh, espouses is for every hour of exercise, you get two hours of productivity back in your life, and I'm feeling that. So I'm very grateful to you, Charles, for that. I've just got one last question to ask you, and and what is it that you're curious about now? I'm curious right now about how to preserve freedom in a world that is rushing towards one world government. That is what exercises my mind all the time because, in my opinion, being a Hungarian, bringing it right back to where we started, I reject global government. I reject the good of the group at the expense of the individual. No, our world is based on the value of individuals. And I'm, if we have one world government, our freedom disappears. That's what exercises my mind because it's our freedom that gives us our humanity. Wow, there's a whole, um, there's a whole episode there right in, in that conversation. Thank you again, Charles. Really appreciate the time. And so thank you. My pleasure. Say thank you and well done and excellent questions and most interesting conversation. If you've enjoyed listening to Charles Corvesh, the passionate provocateur and his inspiring story, and would like to hear more of the same, all you need to do is subscribe and you'll never miss out. I'm sure you'll agree that Charles lives and breathes his philosophy that passionate people produce. And at 68 years of age, he is leading the charge and setting an example for us all. You'll find all the links to Charles's website in the show notes below. As Charles mentioned, he and I have a responsibility to make an impact on the business community that we serve to help improve the passion and performance. As the creator of the Scale to Success system, a proven method to turn your business from a solo sport job into an enterprise that doesn't rely upon you, I offer a one-hour examination call. This involves me listening to your plans and what scaling means to you. Even if we end up not working together, no one has ever said it was a waste of time. Our mantra is get your business ready for sale, but don't sell it. That allows you to retire into your business with choices. My name is Stephen Sandor from Inspiring Business, and there are plenty of additional resources on our website at www. .inspiringbusiness.net and we are across all the socials. Thank you very much for listening to the Inspiring Business Podcast and my wish is to inspire and energize you to take action so you too can make a difference in your and others' lives.